let me start by saying today that I'm I'm missing you, all of you out there. I'm I'm missing your seeing you, and I'm missing the energy you give me. I'm I'm missing the the roaring amens during service. I'm missing the the angry debates afterwards. I might be missing a, a different congregation. I, I don't know. The, it's, it's been a while. That Sauron-like eye, unblinking of that camera lens in front of me, just just isn't the same. I miss seeing your faces. I, I miss those who spend the entire sermon praying for me with their heads bowed and their eyes closed in fervent, deep supplication. They, of course, could be sleeping. It's hard to tell the difference sometimes. In fact, you probably could be sleeping out there right now. I, I don't know. Maybe YouTube just, just randomly put this video up and, and you just watched along and dozed off. Or, or maybe you got up this morning and missed your second cup and, and, and now all I can think about is you sleeping. I, okay, okay. That, that I get, Do a favor for me. Stand up right now. Right where you are. Stand up, please. Stand up. Thank you. Now, now shake it off a little bit. Do, do some jumping jacks. Wave your arms. Move around. Do a little, yeah, there you go. Okay, okay, now I feel better. On to the sermon. If there is, uh, nah, let me start over that, but I don't want to stop the camera because I've already stopped it seven times, so I'm going to keep going. There is one irrefutable, undeniable, unquestionable, unalterable law in all of entertainment. And I should say that there is only one law. If you follow this one rule, everything else is permissible. And that law, that rule is, if something is a success, there will be a sequel. It doesn't matter how much of a success you are, if you make money at something, there will be a sequel. And the logic is, is pretty hard to deny. I mean, if, you, if you've gotten some money for, for one thing, you're, you're probably going to get some more the next time. Uh, back in 1986, Johnny Five came alive in short circuit. Uh, he was a military robot, book-loving military robot that gets struck by lightning and turned into a matchmaker, and he gets a sequel. So you don't even have to make that much money to get a sequel. To be fair, sometimes the sequels are planned. J.K. Rowling uh, famously sketched out all seven books of Harry Potter before she even had the first one published. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, he, he developed the mythology and the, the elfin language before he ever set down any of the narrative of Lord of the Rings onto paper. The same can't be said for all sequels. In fact, there's a whole bunch of sequels that are haphazard and, and lacking in creativity. They're thrown together at the last minute. They, they bring back characters and put them in different situations, trying to recapture the, the magic and the, 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 the compelling story, but they often fail. They, they don't have that reason for existing other than to wring a little bit more cash out of the audience. I, I say all this to say that Acts of the Apostle, the, the passage that we're reading in and we're going to be reading in for the next few weeks, it is a sequel. Luke, writing to dear Theophilus, picks up right where his gospel leaves off. But unlike those poorly planned sequels that Hollywood churns out, Luke had planned this from the beginning. And true to the genre, it is a smashing success. 
there's been a new development recently that they've taken sequels and they've developed into franchises. So we have something like nine Star Wars and and eleven uh, Star Treks and and five Pirates of the Caribbean and and I don't know how many Marvel movies are out there. If Luke had only known how lucrative putting out sequel after sequel could have been, we could have had Acts of the Apostles, the next generation. But alas, he stops right there with the one. In Luke's Gospel, he tells the story of Jesus, of the coming kingdom of Christ. In Acts, he tells the story of Jesus' followers, the church. And standing between those two epics, Standing between those two stories, like Luke Skywalker standing on the hospital ship, trying out his new robotic hand, there is Jesus. Only Jesus isn't so much standing as he is ascending. The ascension is, is really important to Luke's story. It's important to the, to the, the gospel. It's important to, to the, the story in Acts. It's so important, actually, that he tells it twice. Once at the ending of the, the gospel with some details, and then at the beginning of Acts with a whole different set of details. The ascension is important to Luke. I, I wish I could say it was important to us. For most of us, the ascension is, is, is kind of a side item on the buffet of theology. We confess it in the creeds, but we don't hold to it very often. We, we believe it, but we don't put a lot of weight on it. We know that wherever heaven is, it's certainly not up there in the sky. The sky is full of water vapor and ozone and an ever-growing dose of carbon, but heaven, it ain't there. The, any hope of, of heaven being up above us was, was doused with Galileo's uh, telescope, and it was put to death by the time that Alan Shepard had broke through the atmosphere. Still, with this logical conundrum in mind, we acknowledge, we confess in the creed that Jesus ascended into heaven. But we don't think about it too much. It's not part of our everyday life. It's only loosely connected with how we understand who Jesus is. And if you're like me, it's not really that important to your beliefs. But it was for Luke. For Luke, the ascension was absolutely essential. For Luke, the ascension is what takes Jesus from this simple incorporated body and allows his spirit to flow free, unhampered across the world. Jesus ascended into heaven. The other three Gospels, they, they don't end really with the same kind of power and punch that Luke does. Uh, John, his Gospel rather abruptly ends with, with Jesus going fishing and, and talking with Peter. Mark's Gospel, as we saw just last week, was, was ends very even, even more abruptly with all of the, the followers running home saying nothing to no one. Matthew's Gospel ends with, with Jesus almost in mid-sentence sending out a, a commission that oftentimes people call great. But Luke does what no other Gospel writer does. He says that the story of Jesus definitively continues. It doesn't end with Jesus' life. The ascension, this, this weird, mystical, improbable event that we confess in the creed, 
is just the beginning, is just the middle. And while all the other Gospels are, are rolling the credits and fading to black, Luke pauses for an intermission. And this pause, this intermission, this moment when Jesus is lifted up in the clouds is essential. For Luke, the story isn't over. There's a sequel, and it's called The Church. And the church continues the story of Christ. And I want you to hear how crazy that is, that we, the church, continue the story of Jesus. We human sinners that, that don't always get it right, that we who are at home silent and afraid, we who sometimes get confused and lose our way, we are the plan of God. You are the plan of God. And this wasn't God's half-baked, rushed out, let's wring as much money possible out of the audience sequel. This was, according to Luke, God's plan from the beginning. He says that the story of Jesus continues in us. Not that we get it right all the time. There have been missteps and wrong turns. The church has messed up royally. But in the midst of those times, God doesn't give up on us. In fact, it seems like Jesus knew that we would mess up. It's like the very last thing that he says to his disciples is that they are to go back home and wait for power to come on high. It's like Jesus knew that we have this tendency to put our effort and our strength and our energy, and that when we do that, the wheels come off. So he says, go and wait. And at the right time, when all has been fulfilled, power will come from heaven. I, I think it uh, I think it was Lynn who shared it with Sybil, who, who then shared it with me, uh, an email, uh, a joke this week. It said, God has put all of us in timeout. And it does feel that way, doesn't it? That we're in timeout, trapped in, in our bubbles, locked away in our homes. Maybe it's a timeout for us to, to consider the ways that we've treated the environment and the ways we've treated each other and the ways that, that we have treated the world. Maybe it's a, a timeout for us to reconsider our priorities and the way we have been living our lives. But maybe this is a timeout for the church like those very first disciples, to be home and to wait. But not wait and do nothing, not wait and, and twiddle your thumbs. Luke says that, that the first church, Jerusalem, they went back home and they constantly devoted themselves to prayer. That's the same work that we are to be doing now, devoting ourselves constantly to prayer. And at the appointed time, when all is ready, God's Spirit is going to blow down the doors and send us out into the streets as His kingdom erupts around us. So be home today and wait. And while we're waiting and praying, we're going to spend the next few weeks thinking and talking about what does it mean to be the church today to hear the stories of the first church where the kingdom sprouted and grew 
as an illustration and as an example for us. And when the time is right, we're going to break down the doors and see that there is no boundaries for the gospel, that our God is already out front, preparing the way and ushering us in to his new kingdom. Let us pray. And now, Lord Christ, call us forward, call us home, call us to prayer, that we may hear from heaven and that we may see your church all around. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.